All right, guys, let's rise again from our seats for our scripture reading. Our scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 30. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at his gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Hello, everybody. Um, thank you all for your prayers. And yeah, I got better, I hope. <laughs> no, I did. I, I have no symptoms whatsoever. But, uh, and I got tested on uh, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, and I both tested negative. And I'm, I'll still be careful as much as possible. I'm not going to, like, breathe my breath into your mouth. But, you know, we definitely want to practice social distancing and, and so forth. But it's funny because when I came back, uh, people would be like, they would kind of flinch when they should see me, like, oh, you're here? <laughs> and then they would kind of, like, not want to be around me. So I totally understand, um, uh, because other people with COVID, too, I kind of, like, flinch, too. So uh, I might be a little bit distant. It's not because I don't want to be around you. It's just more of, I just want to give at least a little bit more time so that we would be a lot more comfortable. And this virus is going around, and so it's just kind of been kind of a little crazy, but uh, really a good opportunity to get to see you all. Really happy new year. I haven't seen you guys since last year, but happy new year, and really glad to be back and to hear God's word together. Uh, today, we'll be uh, continuing on. Uh, it's been a while, but we've been going through the book of Luke, and you know, really, it's really exciting, especially for us as pastors and ministers, to go through a book because as we preach through a book, one of our hopes is that you would learn how to read the Bible too. And so that's one of our goals, especially as a church and a ministry, that we teach you how to read the Bible. And 
showing you certain things that we can highlight and showing you ways where the Bible can be very practical and very real in your daily reading in life as well. Let me pray before we start. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear the word of God. And God, we pray, God, help us, Lord, in our apathy, in our tiredness, Lord, just in our spirit of feeling so defeated at times. Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God would open up our hearts. And God, that we would hear the words that you want to share to us. And so, Lord, we pray, be with all of our members, be with all of our people, that, God, you would reveal yourself here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here at KCPC, when a new pastor comes, usually, uh, there's a phrase that we have uh, for amongst us pastors and we see whether or not that pastor would have something called we something we call the honeymoon phase. Will that pastor have a honeymoon phase? And so what that means, usually, or not usually, but sometimes when a new pastor comes to our church, this pastor is just like the buzz of the town. Oh, did you hear about this pastor? Wow, this pastor so this, so this pastor so that. Wow, this pastor preaches fire. I want to listen to this pastor. Oh, I want to sign up for his ministry. And then his attendance goes up and like all of these things, like people just flock to this person because they want to know who this person is. This is what we call when we talk about the honeymoon phase. Ah, this pastor is, has the honeymoon phase. And we know this pastor might drop the ball a few times, but there's a lot of grace and forgiveness. Like, oh, you know, I, you're, you're, you're new here. We, we love you and all this stuff. There's some pastors who don't have the honeymoon phase. Uh, they're brand new pastors and they come <laughs> and they're treated as if they've always been around. Like, uh, you know, when they drop the ball, for example, when they fail, oh, they'll hear it. Like, they'll just, you know, people will yell at them or uh, be like, you're, you're, you know, why can't, why don't you know how to do this? Why are you so incapable? That's what we call with a honeymoon phase. Well, the reason why I bring this up, Jesus is starting his ministry. He's starting as, I guess we call it, he's, uh, you know, first time being a pastor. And so will Jesus himself also have this honeymoon phase? Will people like really just celebrate him and, you know, uh, and just really want to hear him more and, and really forgive him if he makes mistakes? And the answer, if you look at this text, is yes and no. Yes and no. In the very beginning, he definitely was attracting a lot of people. I mean, he was doing things and people were like, who is this guy? Who's this guy? I want to hear this guy. And I've been, they've been hearing that he's been doing these miracles. And so they were attracted to him. But when Jesus began to teach, just as we see in this passage, and he's beginning to share uh, a message, they wanted to kill him on the very first day. Imagine, I started here at KCPC for the very first day. All of you want, you know, we need to fire this guy because this guy is not preaching right or he's preaching something that's so dangerous. That's kind of what, that's what's happening. That's the climate of this passage. It might not seem like it because we're just reading it, but this is a very fiery scene and a very, uh, very, very tense moment as we get to see the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I think there's so much that we could take away as we get to really look from this passage. And I think there's so many things for us to take away as hearers of the word. Three questions I have for us that I hope can structure our time together. And the first question that I have for us is, who is Jesus? Who is he? How does Luke present him? Who exactly is Jesus Christ? You know, in our time today, uh, all of us, we have access to our phones. And, you know, when YouTube Shorts came out, oh my goodness, my attention just, just got like, sucked in there. I don't have TikTok, but I have YouTube. And I remember just clicking on YouTube Short, and I would just get sucked into it. And, you know, more and more, it's, 
the way that our phones are delivering, delivering, delivering messages to us, it's just getting easier and easier. Uh, like, and it's getting shorter. It's getting, you know, people are jam-packing 15 seconds of entertainment, 15 seconds of, like, a message, and very effectively. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I do the same too, right? We just keep scrolling through these videos, and we keep scrolling through all these things, uh, you know, like a viral video, and then a funny video, and then a serious video about messages about uh, racism, and then all, and it's just constant, 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 constant. And uh, we get drawn into it, right? Sometimes we'll... Um, Throughout the right before we go to sleep, right? That's when we do it. And then we'll sleep and we'll keep watching these videos. And then by, by the time it'll be 3, 3 a.m. Oh my goodness. Right? I don't know if you guys have Reddit, for example. Like Reddit, it's, it's a black hole. We just, just fall right into it. Just the amount of messages and the amount of voices that we hear. And in the midst of all those voices, it's, it's confusing us as a generation. Because there's so many voices to listen to, there's so many messages that it's crippling us, right? This is how you can live to have a successful life. You know how you achieve great happiness? Here's the way. You know how you can be popular? You know how you can be funny? You know how you can be beautiful? You know how you might not be beautiful on the outside, but you know how beauty is in the inside? And there's all these little things and these messages that are constantly being shared to us. And it's crippling us because we hear so much and we don't know what to do with all that we've been listening to. This is who you are. This is who you're not. This is how the world can change. This is how, what you can do. And it's just so much, isn't it? And in the midst of all those voices that we hear, sometimes there are voices that are really good, right? They're like, you, you're drawn more to that. And, you know, you, you see that this person has, uh, I don't know, like a million likes. So you already know, like, oh, this person must have some kind of, like, authority in his word. And that's why so many people are drawn to that person. But the reason why we watch, you know, if we watch a video with 5 million views compared to 500 views. No, 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 I want to watch the video with 5 million views because there's something going on there. There must be something there. And so in the midst of all these voices that we hear as well, we want to hear voices that can genuinely change our lives. That's, we're, we're wanting that. We want to know who has authority. Because at the end of the day, we're all human. Like Pastor Sam, I'm just Sam. I'm a human being. What makes my word more important than your words? And if we really boil it down, nothing. Oh, he's older. That, that means nothing. Oh, he, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a pastor. No, it's, at the end of the day, we're all human. And we're all looking for words that we can really listen to, that really matter. Well, this is who Jesus is, and that's how he starts, and that's how Luke starts. Because it, we, while we might be human to human, what we get to hear is Jesus, and he begins to share who he is first. And in the sermon that he shares, this is what he says to them. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And this is what Jesus is saying. I am God. While you humans and humans might be declaring and having arguments and debates or sharing my, your words are more important than your, my words or and so forth, but my words, I am God. I am above all of you. And he doesn't say it in the arrogant way that I might be presenting it as, but what he's saying is, I am God. I am the divine. And my word has authority, not authority because of experience, because someone has lived longer, not because someone has suffered something, and so that's why we should listen to that person more, because they have something different. No, I am God, and I have all of that. I'm going to be the son of God who actually suffers as well. I'm going to be the son of God who also lives this life as well. But more than anything, I am the son of God. And this draws, this should draw us to hear what he has to say more than anybody else, more than all the voices that we hear right now, 
We should draw to, listen to the voice of God. But we don't. Why? Because we are too familiar. You know, when the listeners, they were listening to Jesus sharing all about the fact that he is God, what crept in? And they said, wait, this is Joseph's son. This is Joseph's son. He's the poor guy. He's from the poor family. If you know this, in, in, in Joseph and Mary and Jesus, their family, they were actually the poorest of the poor. They were the bottom of the social ladder when it comes to their value in terms of how much money they had. They had nothing. And so they're looking at Jesus and they're seeing him. Like, okay, first they are marveled by what he had to say. Like, wow. But they weren't marveled because they were receiving his word. They were more just like, wow, how can someone make such a claim? Because while they might be marveled by his word, they were not receiving his word. And sometimes we hear sermons where, wow, that was really good. But you leave unchanged. On Monday, you forget. Even on Sunday night, you forget. What did that pastor say? I can't remember. It was good. I can't remember. Because we didn't take it to heart. That's what's happening here. You see, they, they, they hear that the fact, this claim, that he's saying that he is, Jesus is the son of God, that he is the Messiah is another word. Yet, they're saying, wait, but you're Joseph's son. And what happened was, they've seen Jesus grow up. They've been with him. They've seen Jesus the boy. And they can't believe that someone like him would be someone who he claims to be God. They couldn't believe it. See, when things get familiar, it stops us from receiving the truth. Um, when we have this posture, when we're too familiar with something, it starts to lose the essence. It starts to lose the special quality. And that's what was happening here in this text. That Jesus himself, because they've seen him all the time, they couldn't hear the truth. You know, it's kind of like this. You know, I remember one time I was going to do a, like a teaching for a PGIF, I think. And then right before, one of the students comes up to me and says, Pastor Sam, I already know what you're going to talk about. I know what, he's, I know, I know what you're going to teach on. You're going to say Jesus loves you, and you're going to say that Jesus died for your sins and all that. I don't know if the students said, said it that way, but that's what, I know exactly what you're going to say. And for me, as I was hearing this person, first of all, they didn't give me a chance because I, I, you don't know exactly what I was going to share in my teaching. But what my heart, when my heart broke was more of the fact that this person, as they said, I already know, Pastor Sam, what you're going to say. I know what you're going to teach. And so their posture, because they're already familiar, why would they listen then? Even if it's something new, even if it's something different, they wouldn't listen because I already know. I already know. You know, I, I, I'm a victim of this. I, I, I'm a, I, I'm, I, I'm, I blame myself as well. So sometimes I come into worship service. And I already know, like, the, the things that we do, our worship service, our order, all these things, it's like repeat. And we can't tell the difference between last Sunday, this Sunday, next Sunday. It just feels like the same. I'm not listening to the sermon. By the time the sermon comes up, I'm like, I already know how the sermon's going to be. I just pull up my phone. I look at my phone throughout my, the entire worship service because it's just not worth my attention. And so we're so drawn just away from the word. and We're so drawn away from the word of life because we think we already know. I already know all these things. We all grew up, so many of us grew up in promised land. It's repeat over and over again. I know what the sermon, how the sermon's going to end on. It's going to end that Jesus died for our sins. I already know that. 
And see, that posture of familiarity, that posture that says, I'm already familiar with this, is actually stopping us from seeing Jesus as the Messiah. It's blocking our hearts from receiving this beautiful truth. We think we already know all things and we already have all things. And so we have this tendency as humans. I'm not just saying this for all of us, but I'm saying for all humans, we want newer things. We want new things. Jesus is old news. I want to hear different news. I want to hear new things. I want to hear how I can hear more different types of people. And, you know, that's why, you know, with all that we have, all these different podcasts and books and articles, these YouTube videos, we want to watch as much as possible, or some of us, we get into that. We rabbit hole into these different things because we just want something new. But here's the truth, and this is what the beautiful truth of the Bible, and really what we're looking for, what should, we should be looking for is not just a new teaching and not just new principles, not a new podcast, not a new YouTube video. We, we should be looking for is the person. Jesus is that person. When you, the more you find yourself, the more you lose yourself, as the Bible says. You know, I think many of us, like, we just want to get to the next level. I want to be a better version of myself. Like, I see other people and, and the way that Instagram affects our reality. You know, everyone's living a great life, and I want to live a great life. I want to know exactly how I can portray my life to make it seem like it's attractive. I, can, I want to live in my life where I can be popular, where people will recognize me, where people will flock to me, and I will stop flocking to other people. I want to live that life. What can I do? What can I do? But the Bible and what Jesus is saying is, come to me. What you're looking for, you're looking not just for principles, you're not looking for these things, you're looking for a person, the person of Christ. So the more you lose yourself in Christ, you will find yourself. You see, the most honoring thing that we can do is to see Jesus as God. And when you see Jesus as God, when you really see that, it's not just, hey, what's the, you know, I have a question for all of you. Who is Jesus? Oh, Jesus is God. It's not about getting the right answer. I'm talking about your heart answer. Your heart. What does your heart believe? Who is Jesus? And when you truly believe that Jesus is God, of all the voices that we hear in our world today, his word will have so much weight, so much weight, that when the wind comes, all these other voices, they're so light, they become lighter and lighter and lighter because they lack authority. They lack actual change that the winds come and those words will fly right by. But because the word of God is so heavy and it's so rooted that no matter what wind comes, that word will continue to stay alive in your life because he is God and his word is true. And this Bible speaks the words of life. So I hope. Maybe that's what's really preventing us in receiving God because we already have this posture of familiarity. I've heard this sermon before. I've heard these teachings before. I know what's going to happen this Sunday worship. I know everything. But having that posture, let's repent of that. May we have more of a posture of humility, a posture, a posture of opening up our hands to receive the word of God, to receive what God has to say. And while it might be the same thing, it would be a very different effect in our lives. And that's what God's word does. I've heard the gospel preached many times throughout my life, and yet 
There are moments where that same message changes my life. It changes that week. It changes my understanding. It's not that they weren't preaching it. It's just that at that moment, something was different and something changed where I encountered and embraced Jesus in a different way and it became so transformative. And I remember those moments. So that's why Pastor John and myself, our goal is to share the same thing every week because we want all of us to hear the words of Jesus Christ, that I don't come to you making up these words. What I want to do as a preacher is to get God's word and just deliver it to you. That's my role as a pastor and a preacher. I'm not just making these things up and you mixing up with my experiences and mixing up with my opinion. No, I want to share effectively God's word to all of you, the word of God. What is his mission? What is exactly then, if Jesus is God, what did he come to do? And so when we get to see, and you continue to read on, Jesus selects a very, uh, an Old Testament passage, Isaiah 61. And it's so rich in terms of what the mission of the Messiah, of what the mission of God will be. But there's one thing that I want to talk about, which is he says he wants to come, he has come to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. And the question is, who is the poor? Who exactly is the poor? What does Jesus mean when he means poor? Because for the listeners, when they're listening to this, they think, oh, we're poor. We're very much poor. The Roman Empire, the way that they tax us, the way that they oppress us, the way that they have these tax collectors, they take our money away. We're the ones who are poor. And so the Messiah is for us. The Messiah is for me. What Jesus is saying is, no, 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 you're, you've interpreted wrong. No, you see, it's more than just that. Jesus didn't just come for you. Jesus came for the poor. And it's a difference. Let me tell you what it means, what I mean by the poor. Let me tell you what the Bible says, what he means, what, he, what, what the Bible means by poor. And he brings up two stories. Two stories. And these are real stories that have happened. And particularly, it's about Elijah and Elijah. And we have an Elijah here. But we have Elijah and Elijah. And these accounts, he brings these two accounts up. Now, these two accounts, they're not, they don't like these, uh, this story. And let me tell you, I'll show you why. When Jesus brings up these two accounts, he brings up first uh, Elijah. And Elijah, uh, what happened, if you, if you know the Old Testament story, some of you might remember. If not, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. But Israel, they basically fell away from God. They were sinning against God even after warning after warning. And Elijah, uh, Elijah, he pronounces judgment against uh, Israel because they have not turned away from their sins and not turned to God. And so there's drought in the land. Drought. I don't know if you've ever experienced just a day without water. Now think about three and a half years without water. Where do you get that water from? And because there's no water in the land, people are dying. There, there's a lot of death during this season in this time. And uh, men are dying because they're at war. And so there's a lot of widows, a lot of widows with children. And during this time, Elijah, God sent Elijah where? Did he send Elijah to God's people, to the thousands of widows that were dying of thirst? Did he send Elijah to those widows? He did not. He sent Elijah to a woman who is not even an Israelite, not, of, not a people of God. He sent her, him, to a Gentile. And the Gentiles, essentially, they were enemies. And that's who Elijah was sent to. 
And this is why they were upset. Because what Jesus is essentially teaching is, you know who's poor? Not you. This woman. This woman was poor. She had, she wanted Jesus. She wanted God. Israel, you did not want God. You wanted something more than God. God was a means to an end. But this woman genuinely wanted God. This is the poor. This is who I came to proclaim good news to. And then he brings up a second example. And this one is now with Elijah. And Elijah, who came out after Elijah, he is sent to someone called Naaman, the Syrian. And essentially who Naaman is, is that he is the military commander of the enemy country. Essentially, they're at war at the moment, right now with Israel. Elijah wasn't sent to Israel. He was sent to the enemy nation. Think about it. Uh, let's say, you know, w- w- I don't know what the m- most recent war is, but think about America versus Afghanistan. That instead of God sending uh, a prophet to America, we, he sends prophet to Afghanistan. So, like, as an example. And it's like, why would he do that? I thought God was on our side. And he goes to Naaman the Syrian and he is leprosy. But because he was poor, he was healed. And that's what Jesus is teaching, that Jesus says, you are not the one who is poor. These are the people who are poor. But he's not talking about financial poor. What he's talking about is your spirit. Your spirit must be poor. And when your spirit is poor, the gospel will be so sweet, and the gospel, when it's proclaimed to you, it will be good news. And that's who Jesus was talking and teaching. And this is what, you know, the Bible really is so challenging and stretching in this way it, it it just really gets to our heart and begins to challenge us and really uh really shapes our understanding of who god is and what he's all about because you're not as poor as you really think you know, I, I do wonder if jesus were to ever come up on this pulpit and preach i always wonder what kind of people he would bring up in his illustration to us who are the people that you think are as poorer than you and that's what jesus was really trying to get out from you think you're poor, but there are people you think you consider who are poorer than you, people you look down on, and you think you deserve more of God's love and not those people. Who are those people? Think about it for a moment in all of us. I know all of us in this room have that, that there are the other, those people that don't deserve the love of God, those people who are far away from God's grace, those people who we need to stay away from because they are not holy, they are not good, they're immoral. But what Luke is doing here, and it's just so stretching, is that Jesus Christ is not going to be the Savior for just the financially rich or the financially poor, for those who are conservative and for those who are liberal, not for the Republican or the Democrat, for the left or the right or the moral or immoral or the good or the bad, that Jesus is going to be the Messiah for sinners, which is all of us. He redefines everything, that Jesus Christ came to be the Messiah for the poor, for those who say, I have nothing. Many times what prevents us from receiving God's grace and the gospel is is to think we have something. I come out to church every week. I'm a good person. I do all these things, God. And so I should deserve your grace. I should receive your love. I should be. You shouldn't give me suffering in my life. 
And that's where my heart it comes out. I remember most recently when I went through suffering, I had an honest prayer with God and I was speaking and I was surprised that I was even saying things like this, but maybe not even surprised because I shouldn't be. When I was going through suffering, what I said, and I'm not proud of this, I said, God, I'm a pastor. How could you make me, how could you do this to me? God, I, I serve your people and how are you, why are you bringing suffering into my life? I don't deserve this. And I, I had to repent of that. Because see, that's not a spirit and a posture of poorness. That's this posture of richness that I thought, God, you owe me. That's what Luke is calling, he's going to draw that out of us. He's going to, he's going, he's going to show you. You see, there's two types of people that Luke is talking to. There are those who disobey God by their disobedience. Basically, those people who don't follow God's word. But there's also those who disobey God by following God's word. And that might sound very weird. Think about that for a moment. There are those who disobey God by obeying God. Think about that. People who try to live this Bible and they think, the more I, if I follow this, God must bless me. If I follow this, God will have to love me. And what Jesus is saying is, you're not poor then. You're accruing for yourself this credit. You're accruing for yourself these riches, thinking that God's going to bless you. No, the gospel and what the Bible and what I'm here to do is to proclaim to people who are poor, who have nothing, who all declare, and I love what Tim Keller says, this pastor, all I need is need. All I need is need. All I need is nothing. That I don't have anything. That I have nothing to offer you to, to you, God. That I have nothing to give to you. That person, that posture, receives the grace of God, receives the gospel as good news. And I hope that our understanding of the gospel would grow. The word poor comes from the word to cower or to cringe. Uh, and a cringe has a very different word nowadays. But like when you, you know when you cringe like this, that is what it means to be poor. That's, that's where the word comes from, to kind of shrink back. And that is what the posture one must have when the God and, and the gospel becomes so sweet. Because when you realize you have nothing and you just, sh you just cringe before the Lord, you, sh you just shrink before the Lord, God is going to fill you up with the word of God. He's going to show you and give you this good news that while you have nothing, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you all things in Christ. I'm going to give you the riches that you can never even dream of and imagine. When we are the poorest of people, when we have the posture of poor spirit, the gospel becomes so sweet and it changes everything. It changes everything. It's the difference between knowing Jesus and needing Jesus. Rich people, we know Jesus. Jesus is just an accessory. Jesus is a means to an end. Jesus is something that we just put in our pocket. And whenever things go bad, when suffering happens, or when my circumstances are not right, I'm going to pull Jesus out and use him so that hopefully my life will get better. But for people who are poor, they don't just know Jesus, they need Jesus. They need him every day because they have nothing else but Jesus. But there's nothing in their pockets but the very foundation and ground they stand on is Jesus Christ. Jesus might sound like a critic. He might sound very harsh. But behind his words, there are words from a redeemer, from a rescuer, from God himself, because he wants to reach out and save sinners, which is all of us. 
And he wants to show you the gospel. I hope our understanding of the gospel would grow. And when we have this posture, and when the gospel becomes so beautiful, it changes our lives. It really does. It changes everything about us. You see, when we have this posture of poorness, and when we go to school, and when we have this posture of poorness, when we realize that we have been enriched by the grace of God, we don't need to cheat anymore. Because the reason why we cheat is because we want to have grades and basically be better than we think. But because we have been defined by the grace of God and God has enriched me with everything, I'm willing to even get an F because I have been received by God and I have a love that surpasses all understanding. It's beautiful. You know, when we, when, when, especially with friends, we don't just make friends because this person will actually do the, be the best for me. This person can pour their life into me. This person, if I'm actually friends with this person, my popularity goes up like three points. But rather, when you are poor in spirit, when you have this posture of poorness, your, your life changes because now you have the foundation of God and you don't look at friends as a means to an end, but rather you want to be the end for that friend. How can I be a friend to you? What can I do to pour my life into you so that you would be lifted up? You know, for those who are popular, you know, and because we we realize that we are poor in the spirit, we use our popularity to lift others up, because we're willing to give those things up because we have everything in Christ. We lift others up, and when JG and All Stars, when we become a ministry that genuinely has this posture that we are just poor before the Lord, man, we will break barriers here. You know, every year we always talk about, oh, there's cliques in our ministry, there's groups of friends in our ministry. But when we are poor, man, this, it would stop that. There would be such a unity. It doesn't matter whether you're in seventh grade or eighth grade or ninth grade, but we can really truly bless one another. And it would be very beautiful. You know, for dating, and I know some of us, uh, someone was telling me they want a tango novio, but when we talk about dating, when you have that posture of poorness, it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. You want to be that one because you realize that you are a broken person who is in need of God's grace. And so you receive the love of God constantly and you prepare yourself so that you would be a faithful, loving person as I, I hope many of us can be when we become, as we look for our future spouses. You see, it changes everything. If our church, if KCPC, if this was our posture, a posture that realizes that we're so poor, those people, right, those people that we think are the enemies of our church, who are they? They stop becoming enemies of the church. They start becoming the mission field. These are people who also need to receive the love of God because I am just as equal as they are. I am equal to them. That I am not in a certain sense better. That I didn't receive the love of God because I did something right. But I received the love of God because purely it was a gift. So we look at people who we have political differences with. We have these uh, things that are very uh, controversial. We stop looking at them as enemies. We stop looking at the others with weird, with weird eyes, but rather we look at them with humble, loving eyes because we want them to know who Jesus is. That will change our church and that will change our generation. And I think as a young generation, that's what we're looking for, right? We're, 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 as, as young people, we're kind of seeing Christianity. We're seeing the way that it's causing division. It's causing people, and it's basically calling people out in a very hurtful way. 
And it's very sad that the way that Christianity is portrayed in that way, the way that the media might portray it in that way, the way that the internet portrays it in that way. But true biblical Christianity, it's so beautiful, everybody. It really is. It really brings broken people, poor people together to receive the word of God together. When, when, when Christianity, when biblical Christianity is lived out, there are no judgments, there's no, there are no these Pharisees who basically call out people and, and say these very hurtful things, but rather there's, a, there's just this unity that happens and there's a drawing to Christ. And I hope and then pray that's what would happen here at our church when people get to receive that poorness and they get to see that. When you get to see that as your, God's people, you see the needs of others and they become a lot more important. I think some of our, uh, our girls, I think our freshmen, sophomore girls, they've been starting this like love Michael and like this, this thing. And I love that. That's amazing that you have this heart to want to serve, to want to love, to want to give because you realize I have everything and I want to give things away so that others would be blessed and others would get to know who Christ is. Beautiful. You know, uh, the, for our guys, only the guys know, you know the urinals that we have? You know the, there's a, the Bible verse? That was a JG student who did that years ago. It was actually a small group leader right now, Chris Su. He's the one who did that. You see, he recognized that th- th- this is the way that he, co- he can express the love of God in his poor condition and posture that he wants to serve God's people. I pray and I hope that our generation, that our next generation, you all have dreams. And I pray that those dreams would be dreams of God and you would express those dreams here in our ministry. It's not just wait for the adults to do it. No, I pray that you would, you would express the love of God in your lives. Finally, how will Jesus fulfill this mission? How, can he, how will he fulfill it? Um, very, very uniquely, of, of the many things that Luke could have done, he could have chosen a different passage when it talks about the, the beginning of Jesus Christ. But he chose this passage. He chose a passage where Jesus is rejected. Why? Out of all things, he could have chosen a different passage where Jesus is so well received. But he chose a passage where Jesus was rejected. And the reason why he did this was because he wanted to capture the kind of ministry Jesus would lead and have, that ultimately Jesus would be rejected. He would be rejected by his own people. He would be rejected and despised as the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah in the Bible, and that's what Luke wants to share with us. But not only would Jesus be rejected by his people, but he would be rejected by God himself. When you get to actually read the the Bible passage that Jesus shares here, uh, the last portion, he actually cuts it off very early. And there's a very, it's very intentional that he does that. And the reason why he does that, and if you get to read that, actually the second half, it's in Isaiah 61, and you get to read it, it says this, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. He talks about the day of vengeance, the day of judgment, or in other words. He puts that portion out. He doesn't speak about it. Why would he do that? And the reason why he does that is because what he's saying is when you have and place your faith in me, when you overcome this familiar, uh, when, you, when you overcome this posture of being familiar with me, when you overcome this posture that says, I am so rich, and you realize that you are so poor, and you hear this gospel, you receive this good news, that this day of vengeance, that the day that we, you and, you and I are supposed to go to God and give an account of our lives of how well we've lived. And spoiler alert, we have not lived this life well according to the word of God. And what we deserve is eternal life in hell. We deserve that day of judgment. But for those who place their faith in Jesus, that day of vengeance will never come. 
you will have a day of paradise. And that day of paradise is today. where You will receive the news that all your debts have been forgiven. You're paid, you're, 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 you have been made as white as snow. You are clean before the Lord. You are accepted and received because on, the, on behalf of Jesus Christ, Jesus took your place so that you wouldn't miss space that day. That's good news, everybody. I hope that that stirs up our hearts. We get to realize what Jesus did, he didn't just teach us, he didn't just share us a good teaching, he didn't just share, share us how to live our lives. No, Jesus lived our life. He li- he's lived our life and he's now giving you the very reward he's earned for himself, giving it to you graciously. Jesus himself, who was so rich, became poor so that you and I would be so rich spiritually in love by grace in God and that we would be sons and daughters of God. That's, that is what the gospel is. And I hope and pray that we would receive that truth. Well, here's some ways that we can end. How can we as individuals and a church be in continual awe of God? How can we overcome and battle against familiarity and this false spiritual wealth? The first point is worship. Continue to worship. Continue to attend worship. I know it's a little hard right now because of COVID, but continue to worship God. Uh, Think of a cup. You know, when you think of a cup, when there's water already in that cup, how can more water be poured into that cup? You can't. The water will flow, overflow. But when your cup is empty, and when Jesus gets to pour water into your cup, your heart will be filled. And so I hope and pray that many of us will worship, worship God and receive God. You know, if you're into New Year's resolution, if you're into, the, into that, one of the things that I would share, Jesus says in, the, in this text is that Jesus regularly attended synagogue, as was his custom. Not once in a while, he regularly attended church. I hope and pray that would be something that you would do, that you would regularly come to church, you would make it a commitment to receive God's word, to hear God's word, and to worship God together. Second is to value preaching. We need to value preaching and all the voices that we hear and all the cacophony and all these voices we hear, we need to hear God's word. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear what God has to say. Um, you know, in the creation account, when God created all things, um, when, you re- when you read that account, God never speaks to the mountains. God never speaks to the animals. God never speaks to the sun, to the ground, to the water. What God speaks to is who? Adam and Eve, humans. Because humans were created to converse with God, to speak and listen to God out of all creation. And I pray and I hope that you would value preaching. You would value what happens here in this pulpit because as you hear these words, there is a beautiful truth that all of us need to hear. And finally, uh, the way that we can overcome and battle against familiarity and this false sense of richness is community. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about discipleship. And discipleship is one of the ways where we, together as a body, can help partner together in being shaped and discipled by the Word of God. And again, I hope we can see that more often, especially with our small group leaders, that we would all together pour, one, uh, pour the love of Christ into one another and be sharpened to know the God together as one. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for bringing us the Word, and we pray God, may we receive the word humbly. Lord, familiarity is constantly at our doorstep, making its way in, into our home. And so we lose the awe-struck wonder of who Jesus is. Lord, may we worship 
Jesus as God, not just as a prophet, not as a teacher, not as a moral example, but Jesus is God. Lord, your words deserve our attention. Your words deserve our ears and our eyes and our hearts. Lord, we pray that we would truly receive that the gospel is for the poor. God, may I realize my poorness. May I have this posture, Lord, that realizes that I am so, I have nothing to offer to you. But Lord, you have everything to offer to me in Christ. Lord, may we as a church know and treasure this gospel through this posture of poor, poorness, Lord, and that God, we would the Spirit of God would transform us and move us in a way, God, that the world would re receive and flourish, Lord, and transform as a result of your grace. So we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May we rise and stand as we respond in worship and praise.